0: In the world of Hollywood, movies get greenlit and redlit. They get remade and rebooted. But we are the ideal. I'm Sam Gash, and you are listening to Ideal Remake. Thank you for listening to Ideal Remake. We take movies that either have been, will be, or should be remade and talk about what the ideal version of that remake would be. We don't know how far the ripples of our decisions go. Just like we don't know what sort of influence our art will create. So today we're remaking Wanted with my co-writer and friend Diane Bloom. So Diane, is Wanted a movie that has been, will be, or should be remade?
1: It should be remade because it's a fucking cool comic book, and it's a really cool idea on the story, and it totally should be remade.
0: All right, then let's also, get it. Also, they're
1: supposedly making a sequel to it. No! Yeah, there's Wanted 2 up on IMDb.
0: Uh, I just tipped my hand. I fucking hated this movie. Oh, really? Yeah. I don't I like really, this movie. Yeah, but I was like, I sometimes I lead into that. I was like, I should let you know. I watched this movie for the first time last night and I didn't like it. I didn't do that. It's just no. This is I think <laughs> I can sum up this movie as saying it is the most toxically masculine movie I've ever seen. Oh yeah, for sure. And I sure. and we had to watch Assassin's Creed for this podcast, which was also fairly toxic masculine movie.
1: And the comic is pretty toxic masculinity, but I think there's enough in there to make a good storyline.
0: I mean, it's a Mark Miller. Is it Mark Miller yeah. or Mark Millar? Millar,
1: I think. I don't know. Because
0: don't ask me how to pronounce it. Mark names. Miller and Mark... Yeah. Well, there's two yeah it's, Mark Mark
1: it's Mark Millar. It's Mark Millar. It's the guy who did Kick-Ass and the guy who did Kingsman.
0: Yeah, got it. All right, that tracks. And I like Kingsman, but not the sequel for kind of the same reason. Yeah anyway, so when is the first time you saw this movie?
1: Probably in the theaters when it premiered in 2008.
0: And did you read the comic first or did you see the movie first?
1: I read the comic first. So I knew going in what
0: the story was because at the time I was working for
1: a producer when we were heavily into comic book movies. So we would get a whole bunch of comic books in as fast as we could, get as many rights as we could. Wanted was one of the ones that escaped us and we went to go see the movie.
0: Got it. Awesome. So then before we actually get any further, I should probably say, hey, Diane Bloom, you've been a guest on the podcast three times before, but let's reintroduce you. Okay. Uh, You've previously been a guest uh, for the remake of Hackers, which was like episode five or six or something. You were back on to remake Ronin. And then last year, you were one of my guests for the episode 50, which was amazing.
1: Space Jam.
0: Yeah. Diane Bloom uh, for anyone who hasn't gone back and re-listened to any of those episodes, and people should go back and listen to all those episodes, why don't you tell everyone a little bit about yourself?
1: All right. So my name's Diane Bloom, obviously, since we've repeated it like four times. And <laughs> I, um, I'm i a writer here in LA. I used to work as a um, director of development in film and TV, and I also worked as an assistant for quite a few years. And then I went, I should go write, because I really, really can't do this anymore, or I'll go crazy. So that's what I
0: did. Good. I worked out well. And yeah. I don't know if we've ever mentioned this on the podcast before. Diane, how did I meet you?
1: We met playing Magic the Gathering, which was <laughs> awesome.
0: So yeah. I like playing
1: Magic the Gathering. And actually, coincidentally, I got my first job in Hollywood talking comic books.
0: Awesome. I love it.
1: Yeah. I went in. I went in. The guy before me in the interview went in and was there for like three minutes. I went in. We talked for like a half an hour, 45 minutes, all about comic books and movies they had made about comic books and got the job. So it was great.
0: That That's wonderful. Yeah. I, and right now I'm looking on uh, at my kitchen table at a pile of booster packs that are for you.
1: I'm excited. I can't wait, wait to pack war on that.
0: Yeah, it's going to be great. Cool. So I, I watched this movie for the first time last night. Actually, it turned out it was on Hulu, so I didn't have to pay for it. <laughs> there you go. Uh, and... <laughs> Other than the fact that you like the comic and don't like the movie, was there anything else that inspired you to suggest this movie in particular? This
1: has been one of those movies that I've always really felt was kind of flawed in the entire conception of the entire movie, but it's a good fucking comic and it's a good fucking story. So to like basically take what they did in the comic and then make this movie about the loom of fate, <laughs> I really, really, wanted to remake it because I thought the action sequences, some of them are really good. And some of the the flying bullet sequences are really kind of cool. You know, the entire storyline is just a mess. But it's one of those movies that just kind of stuck with me. You know, it's kind of like Starship Troopers. It should never, Starship Troopers should never be remade because it's a perfect movie. This movie should be remade because it's an imperfect movie.
0: That's fair. That's very fair. You know I've remade Starship Troopers on this podcast, right?
1: Yes. That's why I said it. That's why I brought it
0: up. (laughs) Because I also think that this is a movie very like Starship Troopers, or should be like Starship Troopers, but I'll get to that in a minute. I feel like the the two things people remember from this movie, like, going to this movie, like, what I remember from the previews I saw back in 2008 were Angelina Jolie is in this movie, because she's on mm-hmm. all the posters. And whenever I say, oh, I'm remaking Wanted, people go, oh, the Angelina Jolie movie? Because that's all anyone remembers. And the fact that in this movie, they curve bullets. Yes which uh physics. So I have to ask, in the comic book is the bullet curving a thing? No. They made it up for the movie. They made it up for the movie. Good, we can throw it away.
1: Yeah, the only thing they kept from the comic book was like people's names. Really? Yeah, the whole the whole comic book is a completely different storyline.
0: Okay. That makes me feel better for what I'm about to do.
1: (laughs) Yeah. We're going to destroy this movie. We're going to totally destroy it. Well, because
0: we should probably talk about the plot for this movie a little bit because this is a movie. I actually don't necessarily recommend that people watch unless they like desperately want to see uh, the train wreck. Oh God. Pun, pun not intended. There's a train wreck in this movie, Diane.
1: Oh, right. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. With the dad. Yeah.
0: They kill an entire train's worth of people. Yes. And that doesn't matter at all. They don't give no. a shit about any of the people who just got killed on this train. Right. It uh, It's so dumb. So anyway, the basic premise of this movie is that James McAvoy? McAvoy. Thank you. James McAvoy plays this character named Wesley, who's just bored with his life because uh, he's an accountant and life is terrible. And he's just sitting in his computer the whole time. Oh, uh, man. He's not even engaged in anything. His girlfriend's cheating on him with his best friend. And he just doesn't care. Meanwhile, his best friend, played by Chris Pratt, is probably the most honest Chris Pratt character I've ever seen.
1: Yeah. It's like Chris Pratt before he became Chris Pratt and actually was just a fun little character.
0: He described this character as fun? Well, I
1: actually thought I actually thought he was like light comic relief.
0: I thought he was a sociopath. Oh, Chris Pratt's character? Yeah. He is I Actually uh, he is actively th- he is hanging out with his best friend meanwhile actively uh cheating with like he is the other guy that the girlfriend is cheating with he is aware that he is that guy and continues to hang out with his friends like hey man how's it going everything's great with you right oh man i sure forgot my money but my buddy here whose girlfriend i'm sleeping with by the way he'll pay for it The condoms that I'm going to use to sleep with his girlfriend. Correct.
1: Yeah. Okay, I Uh, see what you're saying. I see what you're saying.
0: Literally, there's a moment where James McAvoy and Angelina Jolie go back to James McAvoy's apartment so that James McAvoy can get his dad's gun. Woohoo. And he, like, clocks Chris Pratt in the face and then makes out with Angelina Jolie in front of the girlfriend because, ha ha, look at I've got a hotter girlfriend now and don't care about you because that's how emotions work. And uh, and then Chris Pratt goes, that guy's the man because he was making out with a hottie. And it's just like he's so disconnected from the emotions and like the actual paying attention to the world around him. It's just like, yeah, status symbol. Way to go, bro.
1: Okay, I can see what you're saying. He's a sociopath. Yeah. 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 I'll give you that one. Yeah, definitely.
0: That the the Chris Pratt character in this movie is the exact target demographic for this movie.
1: Oh, yeah. Like 12 year old boys.
0: Correct. 12-year-old boys without empathy.
1: Yes. Which are basically all 12-year-old boys.
0: Yeah, that's probably true. But anyway, K- James McAvoy finds out that his dad, was, his dad who left him the day he was born is a magical assassin p- fixing the world and putting things right with superpowers, which doesn't come up later, by the way, yeah. with superpowers. And James Then James McAvoy, after his dad is killed, James McAvoy is like saying, people are like, well, you have to kill the guy who killed your dad. And so they put James McAvoy through a training sequence montage. Which is endless. Which is endless. I, I texted this to you last night. We are 50 minutes into the movie before they go, all right, now you're everything you need to be. And the movie can begin with 50 minutes left in the movie.
1: Yeah. The training montage is
0: ridiculous. It's absolutely ridiculous. And pointless. Yes. Like there's a whole guy who trains him how to use a knife, which he never uses. Yeah.
1: Even when he's like back and fighting the knife guy at the end, he, he still sho- doesn't
0: use a knife. He shoots him with like a ice pick or something. He sh- yeah. slams an ice pick into his gun and fires it. That's not how guns or ice picks work. And that's what kills him. Oh my God. And yeah. Then, So then James McAvoy is a magical assassin, goes out to kill his dad, or kills out the, the guy who killed his dad, who turns out is his dad. He wipes out a whole thing, and it turns out, oh, no, turns out he was my dad. I, I care now. Oh, no, it was okay. the organization who trained me, and they're really bad, and so now I have to go and deal with that. Because it turns out being an assassin is corrupting. So my real dad never wanted me to have this life, but fuck that. I'm the coolest motherfucking badass that ever was. Bam, bam, bam! I'm gonna go do some shoot 'em ups forever, because I'm gonna be a cool guy. And then literally, he says, I used to be a loser. In voiceover, I used to be a loser, just like you, audience member. And then the last line of the movie is him turning, like, after he kills the big bad of the movie, he turns to the audience and goes, what the fuck have you done? (sighs) Fuck this movie. Yeah. So,
1: what happened? The comic comic has a similar, okay, so the comic
0: Tell me about the the comic.
1: The comic is a completely different story. Totally different story. First of all, the League of Assassins writing, writing wrongs in the world doesn't exist at all. All of that was made up for the movie. Basically, the comic line is Wesley is this loser. He's not an accountant. He's working, like account, he's working like he's a data entry clerk or something. You know, he's not anything. You know, he orders a special sandwich because he wants to be different. But other than that, he pretty much has a miserable life. He's a vegetarian, he's all the you know, he's a pescatarian, he does all these things, he's not you know, he loves animals, his girlfriend's cheating on him, that's still part of the story. But then what happens is on, Fox wait. comes
0: in. Is he, is he a vegetarian and then in the middle of the comic book he eats a hamburger? It's like, yeah, manliness. No, he works in a slaughterhouse. Does he then eat the all right, fine, whatever, keep going.
1: Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. There was a side about him being a vegetarian, but he's working in a slaughterhouse to like toughen him up it makes as little sense as anything
0: so I then it. i hate it i hate it keep going
1: okay so it turns out wesley's father was an assassin was was actually a bad guy he was a super criminal a super villain and it turns out way back when all the supervillains of the world got together and instead of like working one on one against their superhero counterparts who would always beat them All the supervillains got together and killed every single superhero in the world, then erected the Empire State Building and made that a tuning fork, which retuned the world so the world forgot there were ever superheroes in the world. So supervillains now rule the world.
0: That is a very different premise.
1: Isn't it just? So the reason Wesley has superpowers and finds out about them is because his dad was a superpower supervillain. Got and it. the reason, and the reason he and his he and the he and the um, Wesley's mom split up is because he wanted to kill every superhero in the world, and she wanted to move to Connecticut, so they had vastly different life choices. <laughs> but the dad would sneak in when Wesley was a baby and and you know and a kid when he was sleeping and just kind of be with him, as opposed to like creepily staring at him through his telescope across the way. Dad was actually you know visiting Wesley when he was a kid,
0: it, and and Wesley was aware of this. No. Oh. Then when he was that, asleep. It was then asleep. That's, that's still not good. No, but it's less creepy. Or it's more creepy. It's more creepy. Okay, it's what, more creepy. What, what's creepier? Watching from across the street or secretly getting in the bed of your child? And no one knows what bed. you do. It wasn't in the bed. Secretly going into the room of your child. Okay, and, and there you go. And, and watching from there instead of from across the street.
1: Okay, there you go. There you go. Yeah, okay, yeah, so yeah. it was kind of like more creepy. Yeah. So anyway, what happens is the supervillains divided the world up into parts, and they all sort of kept the peace, except for at one point, Mr. Rictus, who's like one of the supervillains in charge of Australia, which doesn't get a lot of work, there's not a lot of things to do in Australia, he's like, fuck this, I don't like this peace thing, we're supervillains, let's just go destroy the world. So he basically breaks the peace, murders a whole bunch of supervillains, and then Wesley has to go and fight to sort of survive against Mr. Rictus. Okay. And then it turns out that Wesley's dad, who he thought was killed, wasn't killed and was manipulating the whole thing to get Wesley to do what he did. And then at the end of the movie, Wesley has to shoot his dad. Uh, Sorry, at the end of the comic, Wesley has to shoot his dad dead. Wow.
0: That's very different.
1: It's very different.
0: So there's no mention of weavers or anything like that?
1: Luma fate, weavers, binary code and threads. None of that. There's no, there's no spinning bullets. People, the, the supervillains have superpowers. Wow. So it's like a super, it's like a supervillain take over the world. Then Wesley's like, has the choice whether or not he should be good or evil and decides, fuck it. I'm just going to see what $10 million looks like. And I'm going to be a supervillain.
0: That is quite different.
1: Yeah. And the end of the, the end of the comic is Wesley looking like sort of right at you going, this is my face when I'm fucking you in the ass.
0: That's not, that's also worse.
1: It's worse. It's worse. However, I think the comic, going back to the comic, I think the way people are doing it today, there's a better way to make the comic to make it a really cool story. The comic is a misogynistic piece of, like, whatever. Yeah, because that's
0: Mark Miller. Mark Miller yeah. is a misogynistic piece of whatever.
1: Yeah. Mark however, Millar, whatever. However, I think the supervillain storyline is a much better storyline than the loom of fate trying to remake that.
0: Ooh, that's going to be tough because I don't know if I agree with you. Because on the one hand, because one of the things that I wanted to talk about was in the movie, they talk about how the loom of fate gives them these names. Yes. And they're like, well, we have to go kill these people. And no one ever says, and like, there's the brief question of, okay, are you sure? uh, Because you're supposed to go kill these people. But what if these are people you're supposed to protect? They haven't actually done the crime yet that you think they're going to be guilty of and we're just killing them has how much research has been done into this. And then what I want is that every single one of the assassins can say, every single one of us failed once. And once you fail, it's your responsibility to, you have to take responsibility for everything that person does. And so they could talk about through history, all these different people who are supposed to be killed, but the assassins didn't kill them. And then here's the the things that were done that that person did because they were not killed.
1: Okay. So in other words, an assassin was supposed to kill Hitler, but they didn't. And then Hitler just kind of went, went on a rampage.
0: Yeah. And so then finally, like, at the very... And, like, literally that was going to be their one opportunity to kill Hitler. They didn't do it. And then the only opportunity they had to kill him again was in the bunker at the end of the war. Okay. And, like, so- something like that. Or Stalin. Or, like, like, there are these people in... Like, even, like, Jeffrey Dahmer or something. And it's like, everyone's slightly different. They don't need to all be fascist dictators, but like, like kind of that idea of someone who is genuinely a monster. And, but, and it's like, it, and literally the loom of fate is the opportunity to kill baby Hitler, but you're still having to kill a baby who hasn't done anything wrong yet. And, and learning, having to do, having to learn to do that is crazy. But at the same time, I also like the idea of, well, superheroes used to be around, we but now they're all dead. Guess who's everyone's a supervillain.
1: See, I really like that idea, and I think the problem with your idea, and this is just my, my thinking this immediately, was Minority Report, because that's basically a Minority Reports movie.
0: It is exactly a Minority Reports movie.
1: Yeah. Is they're going to kill everyone or stop everyone or imprison everyone – not kill everyone, but in Minority Report, they go off and they say, okay, we're going to capture people who are going to commit crimes. So if you go, the loom of fate is we're going to stop people who are going to commit fr- crimes, it's the same fucking problem. If you stop them before they committed the crime, you're basically just murdering someone.
0: Yeah, I agree with that. And I think that that's the, I think that needs to be the message. Um, yeah. I, but I also, because my problem with potentially just making it super villains is how do we fight it just being a power fantasy again? Because- Part of the comic, it sounds like, and the movie are, it's just a power fantasy. It's all about, well, we get guns, but we're the best with guns there ever was. He can can conduct a symphony with his gun, is a line from this movie. Yeah. That Morgan Freeman says. Yes.
1: Well, I mean, I think in terms of using the comics as supervillains, I think- you use that as a jumping-off point, but you 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 take it like where we are today. Like today, you've got the boys where like the super the super villains are the superheroes, and they're just dicks and like Homelander's off killing everyone. But that's you know. But they've also changed a bunch from the comics within the within the within the boys because the comics of the boys is just like a complete piece of shit, and the and the show is actually really good. But mm. wanted, I think the comic is very much sort of this masculine fantasy of being able to do whatever you want to do, which is part of the comic. You know, Wesley's like, I can like go rape people. I can go kill people. I can do all of this and no one's going to say anything and no one can do anything because I've got my special villain pin on and my special villain license plate and I can just do whatever I want to do. So it's like this sort of fantasy of what do you do when you can do anything you want to do in the world?
0: Yeah, I hate that.
1: Yeah. So there's that.
0: So... One of the things I wanted to do was like, I didn't know any of that, but my idea when talking about this movie is I kind of wanted to try and strip away all of the toxically masculine things. And I literally was uh, talking with former guest of the show, Kevin Mosteller, last night about this movie. And part of me really wanted to do an oops, all women version of this movie. And I will tell you that with the exception of two people, every single person on my list is a woman.
1: Okay, that's cool. That's cool. I didn't look at, look at it that way. I didn't look at it that way, but I like that.
0: And because there's a whole Lindsay Ellis video talking about, um, and th- this is the point I wanted to make earlier about Starship Troopers is when you're creating a satire about people, or, or you're trying to um, like uh, what, when you're the, the thing about satire is it's hard to do a dramatic satire. Because oftentimes the people mm-hmm. who are being satirized miss the point and still think it's glorifying them and they think it's cool. So you take Starship yeah. Troopers, you take Fight Club, and the exact people who are being satirized in those movies are the people who love those movies. Yes, and I imagine the like even like, Joker that is also true. Well, Joker is a misogynistic, horrendous That's, nightmare. Yeah, but I, I agree with that too. And then, but she also talks about how you take a satire like um, in The Producers, Mel Brooks has the guy doing Springtime for Hitler, and he is made to look silly, and it is a, it is satirizing, but not in a way that people will look at that look at it and go, "Well, I want to be like that guy any, anyway." Yeah, and so that's what I think needs to try and be avoided is we want to try and avoid something that is nonetheless imitatable. Yes, one of the other rules I would want to make for us especially because the things people remember about this movie are Angelina Jolie and curving bullets is my rule for this would be the good guy can never use a gun. Here's my logic behind it. If they are this is the, again this is my logic from the movie as opposed to what I've now learned about the comic book. And the reason why I picked this particular quote for 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 the intro, they say the line about potentially letting the the people in, from the loom live and fuck the loom, but whatever. And they talk about how we do, they they don't know how far the ripples of their decisions will go. And then they go on these massive killing sprees where they take out all of these other random innocent people. Well, they don't know where the the decisions the ripples from those decisions will go either. At the end of the day, they're basically all. Punisher just going in guns a-blazing, when what they should be are assassins. Assassins are stealth. They work in the shadows. And if you have a gun, it's really easy to just keep pulling the trigger and keep killing other people. Whereas a knife, that knife has one person's name on it, and they go, they kill that one person with the knife, and that's it. It's done. A bad assassin has collateral damage a good assassin does that one job and gets out and i would even say that first dad or whatever was such a good assassin that they didn't even need the knife they were able to go and take the person out in some way where it didn't even look like they were killed or whatever because it's not about oh who can have the biggest gun whose gun is the most magical it's getting the job done in order to protect the most people and if you have collateral damage, then you're not protecting the most people. No. But,
1: and just as a but. Of course. You've got, you've got, if you, if you, I think then you're still, you're still at the problem of the, the first move of Wanted, the of, movie. Of,
0: of Minority Report. Absolutely.
1: You're still at the problem of Minority Report, but then you've also got Assassin's Creed bringing in there.
0: hmm Absolutely. Where a I stealthy little with
1: assassin so. with a knife is just going to go off and kill something. I think the idea of the supervillains is rather interesting and kind of fun. And I think there's a way to make it where it's not necessarily a misogynistic like love fest for boys.
0: I agree. And I think that there's a way we can combine the two. Okay. Let's figure that out. Here's my pitch for combining the two. So the original premise of Wanted is all the superheroes are dead. It's super villains that run the world. Yes. And I don't care if people remember that superheroes once existed or not. Especially because if there's any supervillain I know, it's that they'll always be like, well, I'm the one that killed Batman. I'm the one that killed Superman. So I feel like the supervillains would want people to know that they're the ones that killed the superheroes because that's what makes them extra scary.
1: That's actually why Mr. Rictus goes off and breaks the treaty of the villains because he's like, why the fuck are we in the shadows? Yeah. Let's just bring it out and let's just like
0: rule the world. So here's my premise. There's people who are, like, these supervillains who rule the world. And I think that we can make this secret society of assassins, but each assassin is literally trained to kill one person, and it's a supervillain. And they are either going to kill that supervillain or die trying. That is, they become that one goal in life. Kill that supervillain.
1: Well, then you're basically bringing back superheroes.
0: Right. But... I also wanted them to specialize like literally they their only job in life is their tri- like uh let's say they're going after um what's a good supervillain? Um Joker. I want one with superpowers I'm trying to think of. Oh, MixelPlick.
1: Mr. MixelPlicks. I love him.
0: I, I love Mr. Mixel's little clicks. Um
1: yeah. uh,
0: let let's say we've got
1: uh, I mean we've got I can't, the wrong, mean we can't actually I'm, remember supervillains in I know. Right? I'm
0: completely blanking on everybody right now. Let's say Poison Ivy, who I, who I love and I don't and like especially after her interpretation is the, in the newest Harley Quinn TV show, like I don't even think of her as a villain anymore cuz she's great cuz she doesn't think of herself as a villain. She's like I'm an eco-terrorist. Like I'm trying to do things to protect <laughs> plants and the planet. And then people but That's people awesome. see me as a villain and it's wonderful. But anyway, using her as an example, like literally she's a plant-based supervillain. So someone trains for years in order to be able to take out a plant-based supervillain. Or we have someone like the reverse flash, who's an evil speedster. And so it's someone who's training their entire life to be able to take out an evil speedster.
1: But I think the problem with that is once they take out their supervillain, what's their purpose in life? They have no purpose in life after that.
0: I agree. And so I think that that gives us two possibilities one, their whole purpose is to it, it it is either they die in a way that like by like they, they set it up so that they take out like it's a it's a mutually assured destruction with the supervillain. They take out the supervillain and, and themselves at the same time in in the best possible world, and that's just kind of like how this is like it started to go. But then one of them either kills the supervillain, survives, and replaces them or teams up with the supervillain or tells the supervillains that there are people training to take them out.
1: See, and I think what you could have is someone working from within the society of supervillains. Let's say Wesley, because that's supposedly going to be our star of this thing, right? Yeah. And they're trained up to basically become the next supervillain, and they're doing all this, but then they realize that this is bad. And they don't want to have, you know, fully. They don't want to have to, or they don't want to, like have this free for all of just destruction and rape and murder and doing whatever they want to do. They realize that's actually kind of a bad idea. So what they do is, when the supervillains revolt and say we're going to take over the world, they actually
0: save the world. I like the idea of it being after that, though. Like society has already settled into uh, an idea of these super, vi- like the supervillains have won. Yeah, but like society. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. It, I, I haven't read the comic, but it sounds like that's what the comic book is. It's like it's a like a post superhero world.
1: Yes, it's the supervillains have one. They can go to alternate worlds and get stuff. They develop all this stuff, but in doing so, they they turn the world down. Like things don't taste as good. The weather isn't as nice. The air isn't as clean. The grass isn't as green. Because what they did was sully the earth. Okay. So I think. I think having specific like targeted assassinations, I think that necessarily I think just makes it overly complicated a little bit.
0: You're probably right,
1: but I think if you have it where Wesley's like bringing into the society of supervillains becomes like s- seduced by it for a while and then has a whatever a come to Jesus moments like this is like not necessarily the best way to go about these things, and Wesley tries to then save the rest of
0: society. But then we are just making the boys.: We're not. Isn't the, the boys, I,
1: boys? The boys want to get rid of all the super vi- superheroes. They just want to kill them all.
0: Yes, is that not what Wesley will then want to try and do?
1: No, I think Wesley wants to work within the society from within
0: and change the supervillains
1: and take over the supervillains one by one. It doesn't really mean he kills everyone because there's going to be some supervillains that are just going to follow him. So just as like the world was taken over without by supervillains without their knowledge, the supervillains be t- be, become taken over without their knowledge.
0: The problem with that is that then that still is the power fantasy of making Wesley the most powerful one of all.
1: We've got some sort of like savior complex going on.
0: Yeah, and I want to avoid that entirely. I don't want there to be a a, a singular like, "Oh, I've secretly been Jesus the whole time. I'm I'm the hero the world needs." I want it to be And I also I also hate the idea of it turns out I've been magic the whole time because that's the whole like Stupid proud boy mentality of like no one really understands how how no one really understands me and I, like they look down on me because they think i'm i 'm a loser, but i 'm actually the hero that the world needs this whole time, and they didn 't understand, and that 's the kind of thing i 'm trying to avoid it 's one of the things that I, it's a problem, and it's a problem with movies like this, because it's all like, look at this loser. But once he figured out that he was really a special guy with guns, then he became the real person he was always meant to be. And I want to avoid that. So that's just why I wanted to be not anyone's kid. Because I also like the idea of it can be anybody. Everyone is special, therefore no one is like the special, unique snowflake.
1: I understand that, but we've got to watch just the making the movie so generalized, there's no point to it.
0: Well, I, I'm just thinking in terms of origin story. I mean, we're going to be yeah. st- sticking with, I'm sure there's going to, like, so in the comic book, is there no secret society at all? It's just Wesley completely on his own?
1: Well, Wesley joins the supervillains. So the supervillains take him under his wing so he can earn the, earn the um, his father gets, like, murdered. His father gets murdered in the first like couple pages and then wesley you know you do the whole thing of wesley like in his like drab existence and you know his best friend's fucking his girl and all these other fun things and then the basic
0: core concept is wesley joins a group kills people realizes the group is bad and then kills everyone in the group
1: no wesley joins the group likes the group then one of the group members attacks the, the, the faction of the group that Wesley's in, and then Wesley goes and kills everyone to get revenge from the attack on the faction that he's in. Close enough. Yeah. So Wesley and Fox end up being like the only survivors of the society of supervillains.
0: Well, most of course. Most of them. Because you have, to, you have to earn the hot woman.
1: Well, not even that. You'll then have an Adam and Eve couple to then repopulate the whole world of supervillains. Of course.
0: And also, her name is Fox. Oh, look at this sexy lady. What are we going to call her? Well, she's a fox, so we're going to call her Fox.
1: In the comics, they actually had a the.
0: So it's the fox. That's worse again.
1: Yeah, and she's also, by the way, fucking Wesley's dad.
0: Obviously. That was one of the things that I kept kept expecting them to get to in the movie. It's like, clearly it was, because Angelina Jolie is how many years older than James McAvoy? 15? Something like that. I'm looking it
1: up. I am too. James Ma- oh, not too much. James McAvoy is 41.
0: Oh, I take it back then. I apologize. I always assumed James McAvoy was uh, younger than he than it turns out he is. He's got a baby face. He's got a baby face. Well, Can't fault him there. Interesting. No. All right. Well, then I take that back. I apologize. But I also like I kept expecting it to be a thing where it turned out Angelina Jolie was fucking Wesley's dad and then cuz like she has this moment where he was the greatest assassin the world ever knew. That I I'm into that. And then it also and then she's like, You're now the greatest assassin the world has ever known. I'm into that. I I kept expecting it. It never was like explicitly stated, but I kept expecting that to be a thing.
1: I think the script itself is like this hybrid monstrosity of studio notes.
0: Oh, I'm sure. I,
1: I mean, I honestly think at one point they had it down where it was like literally this whole society of supervillains and superpowers and all this stuff, and Studio Exec Reddit said, We can't make this movie.
0: Can't imagine why.
1: So then they said, "Okay, let's fix this." And that's why sometimes you get this whole thing about superpowers and stuff that comes in because that's literally a thread that was from like an unbelievably previous version of the script. Pun intended. Just no one, Unintended.
0: Absolutely. No, I said. I said pun intended. Yeah, pun intended.
1: No, because I have no idea what pun I just made.
0: It's a thread, you said.
1: Oh gosh, yeah.
0: I... so. I'm, just, I'm trying to just figure out how to, how to marry the two concepts. Because at the end of the day, what we're remaking we is the movie, but I do want it to be more influenced from the comic, which you say is better, but every time you make a description, I keep saying that it's worse.
1: Well, honestly, I think this movie, the only thing that really saves it is, is um, what's his name? Um, Timur's direction. Because I think he's really got some good ideas for how to direct action sequences and shit like that. I,
0: I mean, I don't care for his direction because his direction ended up with James looking directly down the barrel of the camera and saying, "You're a loser if you're not like me," and I hate that. So well, they're
1: trying to copy the last scene the last frame of the comic.
0: I'm sure, but they, they did it twice. It's like I yeah. used to be a loser just like you. What have you fucking done? Are the two like literally the two lines? And yeah even though that's like kind of what the comic did, I st- I don't like it, and I don't like the way it was done. I don't particularly care for his direction as a whole, but yes, the mm-hmm. action was very good.
1: Yeah. But that being said, I think, um, I like your idea about the women. Yeah. And making this more female-centric.
0: And I, th- p- another part of the reason why we could even contribute that to the lore is something like, and it was, it's these secret society of weavers, which obviously we're going to throw away because it's bullshit. But it's like, it's the secret society of weavers. Are men traditionally known to be weavers? Yes. We're assassins now.
1: Well, I think what you could do is actually so, kind of marry the two things and the two concepts of the comic book and, and the movie. Or it. if it's women, and we've got this whole thing, both the comic and the movie were basically agreed on as a fountain of toxic masculinity. So then Wesley comes in, and let's say like a girl. Uh-huh. And Fox is also a girl. Uh-huh. They're sort of sucked in a little bit to the Society of Supervillains and they're like, this is just bullshit. You guys are just sitting there like basically seeing, seeing whose dick is the biggest. So they want to take down the Society of Supervillains basically because they're a bunch of toxic masculinity people who are ruining the world.
0: What I want to avoid is I, I don't want it to be like a, well, they took this awesome movie and made it into a radical feminist movie, which we are doing and I do want to do. But I want the people who don't understand how bad this one is to understand that that's what we're doing. I don't know, because like, yeah, I agree, but I also don't necessarily want like the uh, the the social Quentin Tarantino style catharsis of look at these badass women killing all of these evil dudes. Because I made everyone women, with the exception of one person who's okay, and then Sloane. Sloan's still a dude.
1: Okay. And I went from the co- – if I and I basically recasted from looking at the comic people.
0: Uh-huh. And uh, is there still, like, the gunman, the repairman, the rat guy, the meat guy? None of those things exist in the comic. Cool. I'm not going to have any idea who the people you're recasting are then. I'll describe them as I go. Okay. But we still have to figure out – we still have to figure out what we're doing. And – The problem with both of these is that they're just so drenched in just this awful toxic masculinity that I don't know how, like, for lack of a better phrase, we kind of have to recreate something from whole cloth. That pun was intended.
1: Yeah, Yeah, I I figured that one.
0: We don't want to go to Minority Report, but we also don't want to go to The Boys. And I don't want us to go to Quentin Tarantino because I always find those problematic. So let me talk okay. to you about a, a couple of the important beats that I wanted to talk about um, Yeah, as separate. So in the movie there's this moment where it's like, this gun belonged to your f-. like. there's this moment where it's like, shoot the wings off the fly shoot the wings off the fly or I'll kill you uh, 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 bang, bang, bang and he shoots the wings off the fly. Oh, because he's magic or whatever. I don't care about that. Like I would scrap that entirely it's more like, we want to train you because we think you have the innate skill in order to do this Not magically, but with our training. And we want you to use this gun, which was your father's gun. And the moment I wanted was, oh, my father who walked out on my mother and I the day I was born? Fuck this gun. And I want uh, Wesley to throw that gun away. But like permanently throw it away. Because fuck that guy. And because then Wesley spends this whole time in the movie being like, I'm going to be the person my father always wanted me to be. And it's like, so there's three women in this movie and a fourth woman who should have been in this movie. Mm-hmm. The first woman who's in this movie is obviously Angelina, Angelina Jolie, who's the ultimate sexy badass. Right. Like, this is what women should be. Oh, yeah. I wish all women were sexy badasses who wanted to make out with me. There's the girlfriend who's like, ah, oh, that's true. She's always nagging on me and she's cheating on me, but I don't really care because she's such a bitch. But she's also ridiculously hot of course cuz i only sleep with hot women right and then there's the boss who is the overweight woman who's like who's uh just super mean all the time and shoots staples at him because first of all that's an hr disaster that would be in- yeah. immediately shut down that's deeply not okay and he's like it's not that we hate you it's that we feel sorry for you because people don't feel sorry for me i'm great i feel sorry for people like you and it's stupid. And it's like we know you yes. all you, you know you hide jelly donuts inside your uh, in your desk. It's like, "Oh, come on." Like the first yes. description of her is like, "Oh, look at this anorexic woman." It's like, "We get it. She's overweight. You don't have to don't don't be that guy." Yeah. But the fourth woman who should have been in this movie and is literally not mentioned once as far as I can tell is his mother. His dad. His mother's uh, dead. His his mother Like the father walked out on him the day Wesley was born, leaving this woman to raise this kid completely on her own. And it seems like he has absolutely no affection or respect for this woman who did this incredible job.
1: Now, see, that's different in the comic. He actually does have respect for his mom. Cool. good. But what's told is that the mom actually like raised him to like to like not want to be violent you know, to respect animals, to do all these good things. And it's brought up like mom raised him as a wimp.
0: Good. That's great. I want it to be mom raised him as a wimp. And that's a, a that's a good thing. Right.
1: I think, but that's, that's, you know, it's, it's said in like the whole sort of tone of like, this is a bad thing what mom did because she totally neutered you kind of thing. And we have to break you out of that. But she is mentioned
0: in there. We're not no. going to do that. but I like the raised. It's it's a nature versus nurture thing. Yes. It's like, even though you were nurtured to be a sissy, We know that in your nature, you're a red meat eating, gun toting, awesome shooting man. Yeah. And I'm perfectly happy with like going the whole Superman route of it doesn't, or the Goku route of it doesn't matter what you were born to be. This is who you were raised to be. And good people raised you, and that's why you became a good person.
1: Right. And I still think you can have the supervillains within that.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I think you can. I think you can too. But that's why I thought that that was important to be like, fuck the dad. The dad walked out. I don't care if he was stalking me from across the street. He was still absent. Yes. And I think that's important.
1: So then I think what you're saying then is we have Wesley who rejects dad's gun, is still being trained within the society of assassins, supervillains, whatever, but at the end of it, rejects their ways.
0: Yes. Yes. We can even do – so in the comic book, it's Wesley's brought up to be a supervillain, and then some other supervillain kills all of his supervillain pals, so then he goes and kills all of the supervillains who killed the supervillain pals. It's not a redemption arc. It's not about being a good person. It's just they killed my friends who are bad guys, so I'm going to go kill their friends who are bad guys.
1: And then I'm going to remain a bad guy.
0: Yeah. Um, So we can't do that.
1: No. No. But I think the idea of Wesley, perhaps, in rejecting what the supervillains want him to do, I still think you have a restorative arc to something. So I still think you have almost this, yes, you do have a savior thing within this. Otherwise, why are we going
0: to watch Wesley? It's boring. Here's my pitch. And uh, here's what I think we can do. I think we can still have Wesley be the daughter of a supervillain, but... I think we can even justify it as the reason why Wesley was rejected on the day she was born is because she did not have superpowers, as far as the supervillain father could or mother could tell. Okay. And so Wesley just leads a boring life and then finally meets up with these people who are like, Oh no! It turns out like in the day, and again I recast both secret parents as mothers because why not? Because a mother would be able to tell. Oh no! Clearly my kid doesn't have superpowers. Fuck this kid! I'm out, and just goes back to a life of villainy and is just badass evil. Yeah. Um, but and it's and then I think we can go with the super society of like uh, of we can even go with it being a rival supervillain gang of we're the we're the the B tier or the the C tier supervillains. And we know that you're this awesome villains kid. We're going to train you to be the best villain you can be so that now we can take them out and become the, the villains who rule the world. right? And so Wesley goes to the training is like, yeah, let's do this thing and helps them take out these villains. But then turns out is planning on taking them out too. Cause as long as they're taking out the, like, it's you can't take out the A-list villains without other villains. And this is the best opportunity she's ever had to take out these villains. So that happens. And now all of a sudden, it's all these weaker villains that Wesley can herself take out, especially now that she's had all this training. Yeah, I like that. I like that a lot. It's still, it's still a power fantasy and becoming this ultimate villain, blah, 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 blah. And then I think the real ethical struggle will be at the end of the movie when everyone looks up to Wesley as this person who took out all the A-list, all the B-list villains and is just like, clearly you're the most powerful villain. What are you going to do? And Wesley says, alright, that's, that's what my parent who left taught me. Now let's talk about what my parent who stayed taught me.
1: I like that. I like that.
0: And, that's and the something- last
1: line could be something like, this is what we're going to do next.
0: Yeah, this is what every single one of us can do to make the world, to, to fix the world.
1: Yeah, I don't actually think we have to do that. I think it's like literally go, this is what we're going to
0: do next. Oh, yeah. Great. I like that. Yeah, so literally, literally like, so what do we do? Well, here's what we're going to do next. Cut to credits, like one of those. Yeah, Got yeah, it. one of those. So that I think is a way that we can kind of blend the two ideas together. Does that kind of work for you?
1: Yeah, it does work for me. It does work for me a little. It works for me a lot more. Yeah, absolutely. And I like the idea of women.
0: Yeah, because I feel like it has to be women. Yeah. I feel like what we can do is I have all of these people in the Secret Society for my cast list who they can be the C list villains. And you have your A list villains from the comic book, right? Who are presumably dudes. They're all dudes. And I kept
1: them as dudes. So let's try and mirror them together.
0: I disagree. What we're going okay. to do is your dudes are going to be the A-list villains that they're going to take out. Mine okay. are going to be the C-list villains that they're going that she's going to team up with in order to take out the A-list villains. And then she's going to turn on and take them all out as well. Cool. Yeah. I like that a lot. I like that a lot. And that way we're able to kind of use both our lists? Yeah, for sure. Cool. All right. So then do we know do we need any other pieces of our story or we kind of like, we kind of have like the core skeleton and we can kind of like, based on that, we can kind of see what the arc is going to be. Is yeah, there anything I think else so. we need to go through in terms of plot or should we just get to characters?
1: I think in terms of plot, I think the only other thing I think we can definitely do is cut down on the absolute bullshit training sequence.
0: Yeah, we can do that for sure. But, Oh, what we, what, here's what we should talk about. What are her superpowers?
1: Oh, good point. Because in the comic, it's superpowers are like super strength and super aim and, you know, really good with guns.
0: Yeah, we're not going to do that.
1: No. But what about if her superpowers are, she's got like super intelligence, she's smart. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. She's agile. Mm Mm-hmm. And, you know, she's got a, and from her mom that stayed, she's got a very strong sense of purpose.
0: That's good. Those aren't necessarily superpowers. I like the super no. intelligence. I like the super intelligence. I think that's a good one. Um but I also am strongly in favor of them not ever using guns. And yeah. I think we can come up with like because she's super duper smart, coming up with ways to kill these super villains that doesn't necessarily involve just well whoever whoever has the biggest gun wins.
1: Yes. I like that a lot.
0: So, I'm okay with super intelligence being her superpower and I, and it's also
1: something that wouldn't immediately manifest as, as when she was a child. So that's why that gives another reason why the other parent left.
0: I agree with that. And I also think that that, because I basically, as far as I'm concerned, I think a way we can signal to the audience who the heroes are. And I still stand by this is I don't think anyone should ever be using a gun. If they're a good person. I think guns are the tools of villainy.
1: True, but then I also think we can't also have the rats murder everyone.
0: I agree with that too, because I think that's stupid.
1: Yeah, that was unbelievably stupid.
0: And also, that rat trusted him, it believed in him. That rat loved him and then he killed it. Yes. And then he goes and gets a bunch of CGI rats from the dump in order to blow up the loom of fate and attack the hideout, and it's stupid.
1: It's beyond stupid. It's beyond stupid.
0: And then meanwhile, it's literally he attacks a warehouse full of assassins who can curve bullets. And then they're just machine gunning the top of his truck instead of every single one of them firing a gun that curves into the driver's seat.
1: Not only that, somehow they all end up standing in a big circle at the end of it. So the curved bullet can shoot them all.
0: Yep, in a big circle. And a curved bullet, which maintains enough momentum to kill them all, even though it would lose momentum after hitting the first target.
1: Yeah, and go off target. Yeah. Yeah. It's really bad. Yeah. And then pretty much established. That's really bad.
0: It's such a bad movie. Everyone who's listening, you don't need to watch it.
1: But if you really want to see some, like just really sort of, I don't know. It's fun to watch. It's still fun to watch. No, it's
0: not. I was so frustrated (laughs) and mad the whole time. I'm so sorry. Ah, I hated everyone in this movie. I'm so sorry. Literally they kill an entire train's worth of people. And then the train crashes, he's falling, he's going to die. His it turns out so it turns out that the person that the that the Secret Society sent him after is in fact his real dad. And it's the real dad jumps down, saves his life, and James McAvoy looks at this guy who is literally the person who just saved his life, and instead of taking some time to reanalyze everything he's ever known, still kills him. Yes. And then jumps down a cliff. Yeah.
1: It's a little stupid. It's a lot stupid. It's a lot stupid. And then the other problem you've got within the comic is Wesley joining the Society of Supervillains basically gives him carte blanche to do what he wants to do, which is like rape and pillage and kill things. And it's just like, it's pointless.
0: Yeah. Well, it's not pointless. It is the point. It's bad.
1: It's bad. Yeah. It's Wesley behaving badly
0: yeah so that that's what I think we're going to avoid as much as okay. possible, but like yeah, sounds good. We are not super geniuses who are coming up with all the different ways to kill the villains, but like, when we introduce the various a list villains and you tell me about what their powers are, we can see if we can come up with a way to super smart kill them yeah but but let's start with kind of our first three, which are Wesley Sloan and Fox, which I assume right. are in all which are in both versions
1: yes, no Sloan, Sloan is in. Sloane is not, um, but Sloane could literally be the professor. There's a okay. character called the professor that's the head of the society, so that's actually that's actually fine.
0: Okay, all right. So let's start with Wesley because I do think Wesley should be a woman. Did you cast a guy or did you cast a woman? I cast a guy. Somebody who the guy you
1: cast is <laughs> John Boy
0: John Boyega. I mean, I do love John Boyega, but that but a casting of John Boyega does feel a little. Um, Yippie ki motherfucker!
1: Oh yeah, oh yeah! Inside. And I was worried about you know doing the whole thing like, um, like you know, is it you know you know, whatever. Yeah, I understand what you're saying. Yeah. Who'd you cast?
0: Uh, uh, I cast an actress named uh, Ritu Arya. From what? Uh, so I've most recently seen her in the newest season of Umbrella Academy. Okay. And she is great. She is. Her her comedy timing is very good. She's clearly very, like, an action star. She is, um, she's done Umbrella Academy. She was in the movie Last Christmas. She did an episode of Doctor Who. Okay, Like, she is clearly someone who is going to be very famous very soon, which is kind of what James McAvoy was 12 years ago. Exactly. And uh, so I think that, I think she's perfect casting for it. My crush on her notwithstanding but uh, I, I also think that like, she's just she is perfectly capable of doing this role and kind of doing the betrayal thing. Okay. And I have and I haven't even finished the newest season of Umbrella Academy, but like instantly I'm like she's great. Like okay. I, I, I'm at a Netflix party watching it with previous guest of the show Caitlin Rogers, and it's uh, <laughs> I basically as soon as she was uh, on screen I was like so I know this is the second season but she's definitely the best character right and everyone's and she, like yes. Yes, she is.
1: Okay. Well, for Fox, I actually thought of Charlize Theron.
0: I thought of her too. And I think Charlize Theron is probably good casting. And my Fox is Emily Blunt. Similar. Yeah. The, it, similar kind of things. And they've both certainly done action movies. Yeah. And they're both great. And I really have no problem with either of them per se.
1: I would say if um, we go with Emily Blunt with your Fox, I would like to save Charlie's throne for perhaps a role later on. Tell you what, put her in something.
0: Then why don't we come back to Fox and see what's going on? Because I think both these actresses fit the world that we're creating. Okay. If you have that in mind, we'll we'll see what happens when we get there, and then we can like kind of flip back to Fox. Okay. Sound good? Yep. So then let's talk about Sloane. Okay. Emily Blunt was a good example of me. When we've been, uh, when wait when I've been doing these podcasts, you've been listening and you've been making fun of me because I have a tendency to cast people from TV instead of from movies for my movie remake podcast. Yes. And so I wanted uh, for this episode to go out of my way a little bit to cast more movie actors just for awesome. you. Awesome. So I'm very happy. Emily Blunt's a good example of that, uh, but so is uh, my Sloan. My Sloan is an actor named Mark Strong, who you may know from Kingsman, from Shazam, from 1917, from a bunch of other things. He's Mark Strong. And, and also
1: from these amazing plays called A View from the Bridge, where he was just incredible at, and a bunch of Shakespearean stuff, and Doctor Who, and let's definitely, not Doctor Who, but let's keep, let's keep uh, A View from the Bridge he was on, and he was absolutely incredible in that performance. So I'm very, very on board with Mark Sloan.
0: Yeah, uh, Mark, Mark Mark Strong. Strong. Mark Strong. <laughs> but yeah so that, that's who i thought uh you might enjoy having in the role of sloan and or the professor
1: yeah i'm dead dead on that's
0: wonderful did did you have anyone for that role
1: i had jet lee how old is jet lee uh, pardon
0: how old is jet lee at this point
1: i have absolutely no idea let's find out but but i thought it would be fun and it's kind of martial arty, and kind of with Fun sort of, like, villains and whatever. If we keep the bending bullets, there's bending bullets. And he's done a bunch of that stuff, and it'd be kind of fun.
0: I like the idea of Jet Li. And he's only 57. For some reason, I thought he was a lot older, but he's not.
1: No, he's actually the younger... He's actually younger. He's much younger than, like, Chow Young-fat and Jackie Chan and stuff like that.
0: Clearly, he's only 57. Yeah, he, He's a baby. He's a baby. I like the idea of going with Jet Li. I've got nothing against that. The only reason I might okay. potentially push Mark Strong is because, like, he's a white dude in a villain role, but they're all villains, so it doesn't matter. Right. With the exception of uh, eventually Wesley. And yeah. potentially Cross and Pogwarski, but that's a separate thought. Yeah. So in that case, yeah, Jet Li sounds great.
1: All right. Great. But I also would like to reserve Mark Strong. <laughs> okay. I'm having fun with this. I'm actually having a lot of fun with this because we've almost got like dual casting things going on, so we can always you know it's, it's gonna be super fun. It's gonna yeah. be super fun.
0: Well then at this point, do we wanna break into the the B tier supervillains or do we wanna do the A tier supervillains?
1: Let's keep let's keep with the A tier supervillains for now. Let's then keep, let's do the then that's
0: a. then that's your list. Tell me about the supervillains and what their powers are and who you cast.
1: Alright, so Wesley's father, whose name is Gibson. Okay. This goes by the last name Dwayne Johnson. All right, um, and then I had the professor is Miss Jet Li,
0: who we covered,
1: who we covered.
0: Wait, wait, uh, go, go go back to Gibson. What are Gibson's, Gibson's superpowers?
1: Gibson's superpowers are what Wesley's superpowers are. He's basically like really good at, he's got super strength. He's got super, he's got super strength. He's got really good aim
0: with bullets. Okay. So that's the version in the comic book. What's our version of the superpowers going to be? Because in our version, Wesley doesn't have those superpowers.
1: No, Wesley had super intelligence in our version. Correct. So I think in, and in the comic book, Wesley's dad sort of sets this whole thing in motion. And then it ends with Wesley having to kill his dad.
0: Right. We're not doing that.
1: So, I know we're not doing that. <laughs> however, I still think we need to have Wesley's dad as super intelligent and setting the whole plot in motion. Okay. Or Wesley's mom, however we want to do it. But Wesley's, th- I, I think Wesley's, Wesley's parent sets the plot in motion.
0: So theoretically, you want um, Gibson to have influenced our B-tier list of superheroes to go out and recruit Wesley so that... By taking, like, to stage this coup so the A-tier list can take them all out and they're no longer a threat? That's what right. we want Gibson to be? Yeah. Okay. And then it doesn't work because it turns out Wesley's too smart? Right. Got it. Okay. I'm down for that. Turns out Wesley's smarter than what he thought. Right. What, or what, yeah. Well, in, in this case, yes, what he thought. Yes. Good. I'm okay with that. Sure. That's Gibson. Who's next?
1: Uh next one would be the Dollmaster.
0: Okay, tell me about the Dollmaster.
1: The Dollmaster runs around he's actually got a family, but he also controls like these little dolls that he sticks on
0: people. Creepy.
1: Yeah. This is by the creator of Kick Ass. So the, the superhero guys are and he couldn't use any of the superhero he, the supervillains are interesting and very sort of weird and very sort of
0: nefarious.
1: They're not, like, clean supervillains.
0: No, I can't imagine they would be. No. Uh, okay, so who do you have for the Dollmaster?
1: For the Dollmaster, I had F. Murray Abraham. Remind me who F. Murray Abraham is. He was in, um, last he was in Homeland. He played, like, a spy in, in Homeland, with the, the Showtime show, but he was also been a, he's also been a movie star for, like, years. But he's kind of, like, weird and creepy, and I thought he'd work well with dolls.
0: <laughs> he's a good op like i always get f murray abraham and mark strong confused i don't know why
1: no that works because mark strong's probably playing roles that f murray abraham played about 10 years ago
0: yeah so he's also been in grand budapest hotel he's also in amadeus he he's in a bunch of different things like he's a well-known yes. actor like i recognize him yes. instantly but i didn't necessarily have a face to the name right um yeah i actually think he's excellent casting for a character he's also 80 years old he's excellent casting yeah. for a, a character named the Doll Master.
1: That's what I thought. Yeah. that's what I thought.
0: I agree but with if that. But you, if you th- if you think he's too old, then we no, not at all. I, 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 okay, good. No, absolutely not.
1: Okay, cool. And then next we have the two like the two like workhorses of the supervillains that th- that they go
0: around, all and their right. names
1: are Fuckwit and Shithead.
0: Wow, yeah. yeah, that those are the names that they chose for themselves as supervillains. Yeah, Shithead fear actually- me, for I am Fuckwit. Behold my might, the might of Fuckwit. Well, Fuckwit
1: is actually a clone of Superman who should never be named in the comic. And except they did it wrong, so he's just unbelievably stupid.
0: Oh, he's Bizarro.
1: Yeah, he's Bizarro. Ah. And they have to say everything, they have to say everything in reverse to him for him to actually do something.
0: Yeah, Bizarro.
1: Yeah, he's Bizarro.
0: And then who's Shithead?
1: Uh Shithead is actually made up of the shit of the the worst people in the universe and basically it's this rolling sort of it's like the blob he can like form into any shape and like basically become any person
0: so clayface but poop
1: yeah clayface but poop
0: wow that is uh yeah. that is some um, premium a 12 year old thought of this comic book stuff yep unbelievable so presumably Fuckwit is an actual actor and then Shithead is CGI but then like uh a voice. A voice. So who do you have for yeah. Fuckwit and Shithead? Oh okay, my fuck god. Fuckwit
1: I had Fuckwit I, <laughs> fuck I
0: had Jason Mews. Tell me about Jason Mews.
1: Jason Mews is in a lot of Kevin Smith movies. He was in um he's he plays um he's not Silent Bob, he's the other one. He's the one who always talks. Jay. Jay. He's Jay. Why can't I miss
0: why can't I spell his name? Jason muse M-E-W-E-S. Ah. Got it. Yeah, he's J in J and Silent Bob. Yeah, he's J J
1: and Silent Bob.
0: Because it's named after him.
1: Yes. I couldn't actually remember the J part of Jay and Silent Bob. I remembered Silent Bob and I couldn't remember. I was like, what is it called? J and Silent Bob?
0: I mean, it is ironic that you're pulling someone um from the dogma universe, a universe where they literally fought a giant monster made out of shit.
1: Oh. Yeah. I got Why nothing
0: not? I got nothing against it. I just think it's funny.
1: I honestly he came to me. I was just like, he would be the perfect fuckwit. That's fair. And he would get the joke. <laughs> Alright, that works for me.
0: Uh and then but who do you have for shithead? Matt Damon. Um I feel like for lack of a better phrase, I know we're describing someone named shithead, but I feel like Matt Damon is a little tainted these days. Really? In the same way that kind of Ben Affleck is and that they were uh like their their behavior in Project Greenlight isn't great. And while I'm sure okay. they're both lovely people, I bet we can top it.
1: Okay. But I was thinking someone of the caliber of Matt Damon playing shithead.
0: Yeah, I think that's absolutely what we need to go with. So, what I want to ask is um who is your favorite British Shakespearean actor?
1: Oh. Um <laughs> Tom Hiddleston. Done. <laughs> Better? Better.
0: That's great. <laughs> Especially because Matt Damon once played Thomas Hiddleston. Yes. Do you know what I'm he talking did. about?
1: Yeah. Yes, I do. Yes, I do. In um Thor which which Thor was it? It was Ragnarok. Thor- Ragnarok. Ragnarok. Yeah. Ragnarok. He's sitting there playing like on the play on the play face while Loki was pretending to be the dad. Yep. 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 exactly it was great. right. <laughs> it was fucking great. It
0: was fucking great. Love it. Cool. What uh, were there any other A-list uh injustice league it's those kind of core four? Yeah, those were core four. Cool. Love it. That's uh that's uh horrifying.
1: Yeah. <laughs> and then obviously Fox is part of that.
0: Fox is part of that?
1: Yeah, part, Fox is part of the A-list team.
0: Oh, I assumed Fox would be kind of like part of the, the B-list team.
1: No, Fox is part of the A-list team that was working with the dad because she was also sleeping with the dad.
0: Got it, right, got it. That's definitely what's happening in um the the comic book.
1: Right, that's what's happening in the comics. So we need to figure out where Fox belongs in this.
0: Um, I think Fox needs to be on the A-list team, but hates it and that's why the B-list team is instigating their idea because they think Fox is going to be their person on the inside their their uh, their their turncoat but but then it turns out she she was never on it their side she's just the tool that Gibson is using to kind of influence uh the kind of this coup coming together so that Gibson can take them all out
1: yeah, I think also Fox can be also kind of on her own side.
0: Yeah, fo- fo- I mean, she's a villain. Doesn't matter.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: Fox does whatever Fox wants.
1: Right. I can't believe What's-
0: that's her fucking name.
1: Yes. Well, in the
0: comic book, it's The Fox. I know, we covered it. It's still stupid.
1: I know. <sighs> we can call it a ferret.
0: We cannot. <laughs> um, Okay. So then that brings us to the people that I had. Now, I had kind of, uh, I had casting for first dad and I had casting for cross second dad, but obviously they're both women. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to take you through my list and we're going to kind of see where we can slot all these people in. Seem fair? Okay, sure. Absolutely. All right. My thought for casting for the first dad, the one that's like killed in the first few minutes. Mm Mm-hmm. It's obviously first mom. Like we can presume that it's uh uh Wesley's mother or we think it's her mother, but it turns out it wasn't her mother. Like it could be, well, this was your mom. What? W- sure. That was my mom, whatever. But I decided to go with someone who's been in action movies for a really long time. um, Older now, but certainly still badass and can do all the badass things. And that's true. Mm-hmm. A lot of people on this list. And it also would be funny if we bring in this actress. Cause like, Oh, she's in this movie and then we immediately then kill, her. kill her in the first few minutes. Yeah. Okay. Cause I feel like that might be something that Mila Jovovich would have fun with. Absolutely. That's great. And so like we have this big action sequence where Mila Jovovich does like her full resident evil fifth element thing. Yep. And then it just, it doesn't work. And then she's killed by Fox or Gibson and, or, or cross. Oh my God. He's named cross because he's the double cross. Isn't he? Wow. That's terrible. Yep. Okay. So then I also have casting for real dad, Cross, or in my okay. case, real, real mom. And okay. I, with the version that we have, I'm not entirely mm-hmm. certain how to do this. I'm perfectly happy with Mila Jovovich not being fake dad or real dad or whatever, but just being like this big initial action sequence that kind of establishes the tone of the world and then is killed. And she doesn't necessarily have to have any relationship to Wesley other than Wesley can be there and see it happen.
1: I think that'll work. I think that works. I think I think having her have some relationship or some, or having Wesley be told that that Mila Jovis' character has something to do with, with her, I think that would really just co- complicate the whole thing and this I, is complicated enough.
0: I agree. I think that it's unnecessary, but I think it's a good example of... it's a good showing off the power of our A-list team of villains because it's an opportunity for Mila Jovovich who can be crazy, super powered with all the like flips and moves and everything. And she still gets taken out by these uh, terrifying four men. Yes. Sound good. Yep. So then what we, for cross, I want that to be Wesley's mom, but Wesley knows that's her mom. And I want it to be one of those things where it's this person that Gibson never really took seriously. It was just like, eh, she's just a lay, whatever. And never really, like, perceives her as a threat or anyone Mm -hmm. intimidating. But I think uh, we all know that she is. Regardless of how she was in the first movie, in the second movie, she's a goddamn badass. Yes. Agreed. Because that's Linda Hamilton.
1: Fuck yes.
0: Yeah. Because... I feel like
1: I will. I won't say no to anything casting Linda Hamilton.
0: I mean, that's who we need in this situation, right? Like we need Linda Hamilton coming in and just kicking ass and taking names.
1: Yeah. We need Linda Hamilton as like the leader of the B team.
0: Yes. Yes. Or no, I have Linda Hamilton in there because she's the secret dad. So it's, like, Wesley's secret weapon who will, like, kind of, like, be her connection and, like, she's the one that made Wesley a good person.
1: Okay. Yeah.
0: Because in this world of... I know what you're saying. Yeah. In this world of scum and villainy, like, she's still crazy, like, strong and badass and all of that, but she, like, has somehow managed to not be evil. Yeah. And has instilled that in Wesley. So that's our that's kind of our core concept of nature versus nurture of they are like, well, you're the, you're the daughter of this great evil dictator. Of course, you're also going to be a great evil dictator. It's like, yeah, but I was raised to actually care about human beings. It doesn't matter who my parent is. If I was raised to actually care about other human beings. Right. So, and that's what I think, uh, Linda, Linda Hamilton will, will do and help with. Definitely like it. Definitely like it. Cool. Cool. That brings me to Pekwarski, which was kinda of like the fake Malcolm McDowell, the one who was like, turns out your father was stalking you your whole life and really cared about you.
1: Yeah, that character was kind of like ten degrees of useless.
0: Ten degrees of useless, but um it this was also a character that kind of was like gonna be connected to the lore and being like uh like here's what this like the the actual good leader of um I think it's just another ally. I don't know where we would plop this person, but it's just like a, it's like an act to needed ally and slight exposition dump while also dropping in someone who 20 years prior would have been excellent casting in this movie and just about any other role.
1: Yeah, for sure. Right. Cause Terrence stamp was like the best villain ever.
0: Correct. Yeah. Which is why he was cast. Now I didn't cast yeah. someone who's necessarily a good villain, but is herself a good hero.
1: Okay.
0: Because Helen Mirren.
1: Oh, hell yeah. Yeah. This okay. is like my favorite cast of women ever. This yeah. It's fantastic.
0: Well, that's the thing. Like, how do you take something and make it like, I, I made the joke uh, when we recorded, like when we were talking earlier, but like, how do you take something and make it the, like the opposite of uh stupid male, toxic masculinity? And you just go, oops, all women here, are all these amazing people. And uh, they're primarily women. Yeah. I like it a lot. Cool. Then that brings me to um, some of the action. So we've got their names uh, in the movie uh, are the gunsmith, the repairman. And then we've got like the rat guy and the meat guy. Yeah. It's like the trainer and the this, that, and that's like, it's the butcher and the, and the trainer and that I'm like, I don't, or the, uh, it was the, uh, the butcher and the um, exterminator. Yes. So I have people for all four of them. But we also got to kind of figure out what their abilities and powers are. Because we also right. didn't talk about that with Cross. So I think Linda Hamilton has no powers. She's just a good person who's, like, trained super well. She's basically, like, Batman. Okay. that That's my pitch for that Cross. Works. And I don't necessarily have anything in mind for superpower for Pekorski either, because that's more an exposition dump. And, like, a, I, like, I see her more as, a like, a supplier of, oh, you need equipment? Here's your equipment. Like, um yeah. Aunt May and Into the Spider-Verse. Yeah, that That, works. Literally that character.
1: Yeah, that's great.
0: So then that brings us to the gunsmith, who was played by Common in the movie. Yep. So if the character is named the gunsmith, it's literally someone who's just really good with guns. And I I think this is an opportunity to really call out the stereotypes of that. And it's just someone who, uh, it's just like Deadshot. My ability is I'm really good with guns and I have excellent aim. So use a scope. Look I'm great with guns So you pull the trigger and it kills someone Yeah I have so many confirmed kills You shot them it's not that big of No I'm really good with guns Uh, Look So I want someone who's like kind of really leaning into that trope Of just Idiot with a gun But they think because Mm -hmm. they have a gun They're this amazing epic warrior And they're just not They just know how to use a scope and pull a trigger Okay who do you think Uh, So the actor I went with is, I I know him from TV things. He's a very charming guy, but I think he'd have fun with this role. He's an actor named BJ Britt, who you may need to look up.
1: Yeah, I'm going to look
0: him up. Um, he was in A Million Little Things. He's in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. He's in Being Mary Jane. I I know him from Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. And he, and he uh, was a character named Trip in that show, who, mm-hmm. he, spoiler alert for Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., like he ended up getting killed in that show, and it caused an outcry because everyone loved this character, and they, everyone thought he was just the best. And then he was killed, and everyone like kept expecting him to be brought back in some way, and he never was. And it which is weird because back.
1: Agent Teal brings back half half the cast anyway when
0: they kill them. Just two of them. Okay, but uh, and even then, really, just one of them.
1: Yeah, but I mean, how many times did Clark Gregg's character die?
0: that ends up becoming a bit like he's the person who dies and comes back. Like literally that's like his superpower apparently. And they make fun of that in the show.
1: I got through about two and a half, three seasons of agents of shield before I stopped watching.
0: I right about the
1: time, right about the time the inhumans came in, I was just like, done.
0: I think you're missing out. I really like it. And they actually just had their series finale a few weeks ago. And I love that show. I think it's great. But anyway, this actor I think is super fun. Sure. And so that's the gunsmith. The repairman is, uh, the one in the movie who I fix, uh, what a lifetime of broken things have done to you. And he literally, he's just there to beat up, uh, fucking, what's his name? Wesley. James McAvoy. Yeah. And it's like, cause getting beaten up is what will make you, a, will make a real man out of you. And, uh, that's fucking dumb.
1: Yeah. Well, in the comics, the guy beats him up and then Wesley gets free and kills him.
0: Yeah, I'm sure that sort of happens yeah. in the movie too. Yeah. So, uh, in our version, I think our repairman is uh kind of like <laughs> Do you remember the movie Mystery Men? Yes. I think our repairman is the Ben Stiller character from Mystery Men.
1: I was going to ask. I was going to ask. I was like, yeah, that works.
0: You don't you won't like me when I'm angry. <laughs> punch 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 punch. And he's just a berserker, but he's also an idiot. Yeah, Or in my case, she's a berserker and she's an idiot. Like She'll say really in-depth, profound things, but they make no sense. Right. So it's kind of a parody of characters she herself has played before. Mm
1: -hmm. Because she's
0: been in things like Crouching Tiger and Hidden Dragon. She's been in Tomorrow Never Dies. She was in Star Trek Discovery. And I think Michelle Yeoh would have a lot of fun playing someone who can fight, but is just so dumb.
1: I had her, I had, I actually was like thinking of a way to like put her into a role. And then also she was a crossword clue in the New York Times crossword a few weeks ago.
0: Oh, perfect. I mean, she's wonderful. Totally. Good. She's wonderful. She's wonderful. Yeah. Love her. And so that, that I think is a fun version for uh, the repairman. Um, So then uh, the exterminator, the rat guy, you don't know how useful they are. Like literally this person's superpower can be she speaks to rats. That's her superpower. Or animals. I'd like it if it's specifically rats, because okay. it's even more useless that way. And then
1: she can command a rat pow- rat army without, like, blowing them up.
0: Yeah. Oh, tell you what. She, like, we can even have her character name be Vermin. And she can talk oh, to great. rats, raccoons, skunks. Opossums. Opossums. Although opossums, apparently, are quite lovely pets. And there's a woman who gives them massages on YouTube, but that's neither here nor there
1: they're yeah
0: uh uh yeah but like she like literally vermin she just like and like yeah just these awful like bottom feeding monsters and those are the animals she can control
1: and she should honestly be the hottest woman we can find on this one
0: oh i i kind of went the other way and just kind of made her more fun i I also cast someone a little bit less well-known but she also is just a very funny competent action actress Mm-hmm. And uh, that's Brianna Venks, uh, Brianna Venskus. Venksus, Venksus. Again, she on. She's also been on Agents of Shield, but she's also been on Walking Dead. Sorry for your loss. She was so, one of those people who I think, like, kind of was less known, and then kind of like has been slowly getting better parts, better parts uh, in the past few okay. years. And so it's just another one of those opportunities to kind of cast someone who is less well-known, but I just think she's fun.
1: Okay, done. And yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I recognize her.
0: Cool. And so then uh, that brings me to the butcher, who was the knife one, which was really stupid in the movie, but I feel like we can actually give her an interesting superpower because all of ours have kind of been like jokey kind of things, but I feel like we can give her like an actually scary superpower. But I don't know how to diminish it in any way. What do you think?
1: I think we give her, I think we give her super speed. Okay. And then and then and then if she like because then when she plays with knives and stuff, the knives become almost invisible in their movements and you're just seeing blurs and you have no idea where they're coming from.
0: I love it. I think that's great. Cool. Let's do that. Absolutely. Uh the butcher cuz like she like her knives are as fast as bullets cuz she's just super yeah. speed. She'll just cut you. Exactly. Away. Which makes more sense. Yeah, I'm fully on board with that. And so I went uh, with an actress who also uh, has close combat fighting range. Um, she's been in Crazy Ex-Girlfriend, but she was also in Glow. Brittany Young. Absolutely. Yeah. She's great. She's great. If you aren't familiar, in uh, Glow, she plays Machu Picchu. and she's great. She is absolutely great. And that's the team that I had. Yeah. I like it. Cool. I like it a lot. So we've got our A list, we've got our B list, we've got our plot. What we need now are our writer and our director. Okay. Both of whom of mine are also women.
1: When I actually thought of one guy for the writer, but I thought of a different person for a director. Okay.
0: Tell me about your writer then.
1: Well, I thought, honestly, the only one who could actually handle this and make it funny and good would be Matthew Vaughn. Okay. Because he'd actually adapted these a couple of these ones before, and he actually some of them are actually very good. Mm-hmm. And then I thought some, but in director wise, I thought someone who could really like
0: make just, it just just writer right now,
1: just writer. I had Matthew Vaughn.
0: Okay, interesting. It's an interesting pick. I I both agree and disagree with the choice in that like he, he's really good at taking the Mark Miller ideas and making them good. Although arguably that comes across a little bit less in the second Kingsman. But mm-hmm. I think taking a Mark Miller adaptation and making it less trash, palatable palatable is Matthew Vaughn. I went with a woman who she's worked on things like Drop Dead Diva. She's herself an actress and a dancer, um, but she's transitioned more into writing recently. She worked on Dr. Horrible's sing-along blog. She's worked kind of in a lot of the Joss Whedon universe because she's married to Jed Whedon. And her name... Oh, Marissa. uh, Tansharion. Tansharion? Yeah. 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 And I thought she'd be fun because she could also like... She's done all sorts of the comic book stuff. Like, she worked on the Guild. Yeah. And, like, she would definitely be able to take kind of the uh, the trashy comic book and make it fun. And I thought she'd be yeah. a good choice for that.
1: That's a really good choice. That's a really good choice. Thank you. I'm familiar with a lot of her
0: stuff, so she's a really good writer. Then let me tell you about my director. My director is also not as well-known, so there's a good possibility we'll end up going with your director. Literally, I just uh, pulled in... Because I'm guessing... You won't necessarily recognize her as a director, although she is the director for On the Basis of Sex, Deep Impact, Pay It Forward. Uh, oh, Mimi
1: Leader, Yeah.
0: It, show off with your fancy knowledge <laughs> of things. Uh, literally, I pulled it, and it's like, and her Wikipedia, because Mimi's short for Miriam. Miriam Leader is an American film and television director and producer noted for her action films and use of special effects. She was the first female graduate of the AFI Conservatory in 1973.
1: I like her a lot. Yeah.
0: So I thought she be- I got someone who
1: was very similar though. I got someone who was very similar.
0: I'm excited to hear about it. Hear okay. About so,
1: it. all right. So I picked Nikki Caro.
0: Oh, I don't know this name. Tell me about Nikki Caro.
1: She's New Zealand. She's from New Zealand. Her first film was called Whale Rider, which got a lot of success. And then she did one called McFarlane USA, which was a super like, like run. It was, it was much more successful than anyone thought it was going to be. And then she did a little film called Mul- Mulan. It's getting really good reviews for the direction. Is it? Yeah.
0: But is it, though?
1: I thought it was. Stuff I read was good.
0: Uh, have you heard about the Boycott Mulan thing that's going on?
1: No, I missed that. Okay, tell me about the Boycott Mulan thing.
0: So, this might be scriptural, and I certainly don't necessarily think this is uh, Nikki Caro's fault, necessarily. But basically, because Mulan is was made in collaboration with the Chinese government. It's very pro-China and pro-Chinese government to the point where the lead actress has publicly stated repeatedly that there shouldn't be anyone protesting. Like, like she's spoken out against the protesters in Hong Kong.
1: Oh, shit. Okay.
0: And again, I don't know anything about Nikki Caro. So, again, if Disney shows up with a bucket full of money at my door, I will also... Get involved, but yes and no. But Whale Rider was a beautiful film,
1: really beautiful. But probably Mimi Leader does action maybe better than her, because Deep Impact was a really good film and other things like that.
0: Yeah, but again, like Nikki Caro is the current director, like directing women doing action. Yeah, and that's important and good to have.
1: Well, the only other woman I could think of that could handle all this action Mm -hmm. would be Catherine Bigelow.
0: Yeah, I thought about her too, but I, I opted out of it um, because she's like the, the military person, and I I want to avoid guns, and I feel like Catherine Bigelow will be all about guns. Okay, because I definitely consider that. I feel like Nikki Caro probably the correct choice. Okay, Nikki Caro with an asterisk of uh, double checking that <laughs> double checking politics. It won't set off a
1: giant protest. It won't set off a giant protest. Don't set,
0: set off a giant protest, and because like I don't want I want her to be pro activism and pro feminism and all of that and so like double checking all of that and then if she's good great go with her because she can she would do a good job and i feel like she is probably the right choice and i think that's an excellent pull and we'll have mimi lead leader in there as well just as a bonus okay oh for sure for the i don't know special effects we can have her produce it Yeah, well, Mimi Leader feels like one of those people who's kind of been, like, occasionally gotten these big roles and they haven't done as well as hoped, and so she's continually been passed over by Hollywood for literally 50 years.
1: Well, the problem she had with Deep Impact was because Armageddon came. Right. So the Michael Bay one won. Yeah. It won the Battle of the Asteroids destroying the Earth movie. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Boo. Armageddon's on Criterion. Armageddon is on Criterion? I'm pretty sure. Oh, that's disappointing. But you got to see the list of writers on Armageddon. I'm sure it's a mile long.
1: No, but it's like Josh Whedon and things like that. They were brought in to work on Armageddon.
0: Still, I mean, the problem is that Josh Whedon himself is a bit of a controversial person now, and I'm perfectly comfortable if he retires forever, but that doesn't necessarily speak to his brother or his brother's wife, both of whom are actively pursuing positive change and so i don't know yes but either way i think we have our uh, our list do you want me to go through um who we've got for our remake yeah, of wanted that yeah. blends the movie and the comic book together in this sort of like yeah i think we did a good job
1: i think we did a really good job because we both came at this in completely opposite directions and we had to figure out on the fly how to fix this together
0: oh yeah <laughs> but we're remaking the movie
1: I know, but I wanted to go back to the source material because the movie ignored it.
0: Yeah. Anyway, let's talk about Wanted. We are remaking Wanted. Our cast is... Wesley will be played by Ritu Arya, Sloane, or the Professor, will be played by Jet Li. Uh, we never came back to Fox, but I'm perfectly happy with going with Charlize Theron, because awesome. She's awesome. And then the our A-list team of supervillains, which includes Fox, um... Uh, will be headed by Gibson, Dwayne Johnson. The Dollmaster will be F. Murray Abraham. Fuckwit will be Jason Muse. Shithead will be Tom Hiddleston. And then the first kind of epic kill of the movie, the first villain taken out will be Mila Jovovich. And then Cross will be played by Linda Hamilton, the real mom of Wesley, who raises her to be a good person, just like uh, Ma and Pa Kent, but you know, Badassier, Less Kansas. Less Kansas, more punching. Yeah. Uh, Pekwarski will be Helen Mirren. The gunsmith will be BJ Britt. The repairman will be Michelle Yeoh. The exterminator will be Brianna Venskis. And the butcher will be Brittany Young. All of this will be written by Marissa Tansh, ta, Rowan. I should have I looked that Tansha up. Rowan. I think you're right. Tonshor Rowan. And will be directed with, by Nikki Caro. But we'll try to get Mimi Letter in there some way, where just because she's awesome and we want her to get more love and respect. Yeah, but that's wanted. We did it. Yeah, we did it. Yeah. We remade a movie. I love doing this. We remade another Angelina Jolie, which uh, is fifty percent of the movies that Diane has brought in to uh, <laughs> ideal remake.
1: Yeah, it is, isn't it?
0: Yeah, I love it. Yeah, uh, that's awesome. Diane, what things would you like? Thank you for so much for being a guest uh, on this episode today. Episode 80, 79 or 80. I need to look it up. I think 79. Um, That's awesome. What? What? Do you have anything you'd like to promote? Or do you have any social media you'd like people to follow? Sure.
1: My Twitter is dipster.
0: Do you want to spell that? D-I-B-S-T-E-R,
1: D-I-B-S-T-E-R. And I'm on Instagram as Diane Bloom. B-L-O-O-M-D-I-A-N-N-E. Love it. Mostly it's pictures of cats and weird comments.
0: Nothing wrong with that. Cool. If you are interested in following me, I am on Twitter at Sam Gash, S-A-M-G-A-S-C-H. Or you can follow the podcast at Ideal Remake on Twitter or Instagram. Or join us on Facebook at Ideal Remake or Ideal Remake Podcast. We'd love to have you. And if you have the time this week, if you're stuck at home, still quarantining, or just want to distract yourself from having to go back to work, if you wouldn't mind taking a moment to go online and leave ideal remake a five-star review, it genuinely helps people find the podcast. I know a lot of podcasts say that at the end, but basically the way it works is the more reviews and the more active reviews that are constantly coming in that a podcast gets, the more the Apple podcast algorithm boosts that podcast and brings it to the top. So honestly, if you want to help any podcast, it's a really nice thing to do. And if you have 15 20 minutes to go through and leave some reviews for podcasts that you enjoy. Both myself and any other podcaster you uh you like would really appreciate it. It genuinely helps. Um so yeah, so now I will end with this. Diane, what is your favorite quote from either the movie or the comic book Wanted? My favorite quote from
1: the comic is from the comic book and it's uh Gibson talking to Wesley about about the mom and how they broke up. Mm-hmm. And it's I wanted to kill every superhero that ever walked or or crawled and she wanted to move to Connecticut. Great. Yeah.